Who is the devil and where did he come from? Does he have any power? If he does, where does he get it from? What are the wiles and schemes of the devil that the Bible keeps talking about? How much attention should we be giving the devil? If the devil is defeated, can't we just ignore him? In this series, we're going to the Word to find the answers to these very common questions and more. Hello and welcome to Faith Talks. I'm your host, Emily Preston, and in these podcasts, we will be discussing how to practically apply the principles found in the Word, or how to be a doer of the Word, so that you can start seeing more of the manifestation of God's grace in every area of your life. everybody and welcome back to Faith Talks where we are learning how to walk by faith through grace. Today is part 17 of my series Know Thy Adversary and in the last couple of episodes we have been going through the word to find out what our spiritual defense strategies are to keep the devil in his place, to keep our adversary in his place which is defeated and under our feet And we've been learning how to prevent any insurrection or uprising. And we've been learning how to push him back if he's been successful in gaining any ground, if he's been successful in stealing the word from us and killing from us and destroying from us. So we've talked about so far how to remain dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, tucked safely away under the shadow of the Almighty, and that is by covering ourselves with the Word, which is the blood of Jesus, every single day. We've also talked about how to keep the law of the Spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus fully operational in our lives. And the law of the Spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus is the law that enables us to supersede the law of of sin and death. Remember, we talked about the example of an aeroplane and how an aeroplane has to continuously apply the laws of aerodynamics, which is weight, lift, thrust, and drag, if it wants to supersede the law of gravity and be able to fly. Well, in the same way, we have to keep applying the principles of the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus, and that is to love our neighbor as we love ourselves if we want to supersede the law that is in full operation in the earth at all times, and that is the law of sin and death. And we talked about how to keep ourselves in the love of God because the principle that keeps the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus in operation is the principle of love, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Faith works by love. So we learned how to keep ourselves in the love of God, where we continuously fulfill that commandment to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So if you haven't been up to date with the last few episodes, That's where we've learned the things that I've just mentioned. So I suggest even going back over the last few episodes to refresh your memory on all of those things because they're so, so important, guys. I can't tell you how important those things are. 
And the more I study the word, the more I see it in the word. It's interwoven all the way through the word, the importance of walking in love, keeping ourselves in the love of God. That is what helps us stay tucked away in the secret place of the Most High and remain untouchable. So today we're going to learn a few more how-tos, which are spiritual defense strategies against the wiles of the enemy. So the next one we're going to talk about is how to guard our mouth. Remember how earlier on in this series, I gave you the example of the coyotes and the wounded rabbit. And I told you the story that Mark Hankins actually shares where he goes into the desert and they are going hunting for coyotes. And the way that they lure the coyotes to where they are is by using a little whistle that sounds like a wounded rabbit. And they blow this whistle that lets out the sound of a wounded rabbit. And the coyote pricks up its ears and thinks to itself, there's a wounded rabbit, it's easy prey, and it comes running. And when we speak words of fear and death over ourselves and other people, It's like we are making the sound of a wounded rabbit and the devil who is out there roaming around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour pricks up his ears and comes running because he senses easy prey. And when we speak words of death and words of fear over ourselves, over other people and over our circumstances, we are giving him opportunity and occasion for acting. Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us that both life and death are in the power of our tongue. Our tongue, guys. When we speak words of death about ourselves, about our circumstances, or about other people, we are activating this powerful spiritual law that we have what we say against ourselves and we are cooperating with the devil who wants to see our lives in destruction and ruin. When we speak words of death, we are planting seeds of death that the ground of our heart will go to work on to produce a harvest from Because the ground never discriminates on what it goes to work to grow. And guys, this isn't just words of death about our own problems or the situation we're going through. When we speak complaining, criticizing, condemning, judging, mocking, hate-filled words about other people, we are speaking words of death and exposing ourselves to the law of sin and death because we are cooperating with the principles of that law. Not only are we on the wrong side of the spiritual law that we have what we say, but we are also breaking the commandment of love and exposing our whereabouts to the enemy. When we speak death-filled words over ourselves or over our circumstances or over other people, We are exposing ourselves to the law of sin and death because we are cooperating with the principles of that law. And sometimes it's the silly, seemingly insignificant words of death that we speak over ourselves that are the very ones that are alerting the enemy to our whereabouts. The Bible calls these words idle words. 
And in Matthew 12, verse 36, God tells us that for every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account for in the day of judgment. Idle words are those seemingly insignificant words, words that are just joking words, words that are seemingly meaningless words. But God says that we will give account for them in the day of judgment. Or in other words, when disaster and calamity strike us, and we are judged for those words, it will be those idle words that we'll have to give account for. And these words can be words like, man, that just kills me. I'm dying to go here or there. I'm losing my mind. My memory is shocking. I can never remember people's names. Every summer, my allergies just go crazy. I'm sick and tired of this. I'm sick and tired of that. That person drives me up the wall. That person is a pain in the neck. My kids are doing my head in. That politician makes me sick. And see how all of those phrases are phrases that are filled with death. Or these can be words of fear. Oh, I'm just so scared of this. I'm so scared of that. Don't do that, kids. You might fall and break your neck. I don't like driving home at late at night. I'm scared I might have an accident. I'm scared I might hit something. Don't touch that. You'll break it. There's so many opportunities to speak words of fear over ourselves or over our family, over our children or over our circumstances. These are the idle words that will bring a judgment day if we don't do something about them. Proverbs 21 verse 23 tells us that he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity, keeps himself from disaster and destruction. And the key to keeping ourselves from disaster and destruction is to guard our mouth and guard our tongue. So how do we guard our mouth? The same way that God's told us to deal with every other circumstance in our life by putting the word of God over that area. We can confess the word of God for guarding our mouth. And if we are doing what we talked about in the first two points, so if we're covering ourselves with the blood of Jesus, covering ourselves with the word of God every day, and if we're consciously looking in the mirror and seeing how loved we are, and because we are so loved, we can love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we will start to recognize words and sayings that we've been using that aren't bringing us life. We will recognize words that we're speaking of fear and death. And by immersing ourselves in the truth, by immersing ourselves in the word of God, that truth will expose the lies. And because we're so full of the word, because we're constantly keeping that word mirror in front of our face, showing us who we are, showing us what we have through the grace of God, the Holy Spirit will prompt us when we're about to say something, when we're about to speak something that doesn't line up with the word of God. And the Holy Spirit will prick our conscience and say, don't say that. Those aren't words of life. Don't say that. That's not what I say about you. That's not what I say about that person. And in Psalm 141 verse 3, David says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth, 
watch over the door of my lips. So guys, we can ask the Lord to help us. This is a vital part of walking the walk of faith, refusing to speak words of death, refusing to speak words that don't bring life to us. That is a vital element in the walk of faith. And we can ask God to help us in that area. We can just say, Lord, show me if there's anything that I'm saying. Show me if there's anything that I'm about to say that's releasing death over me or someone else or over my circumstances. Help me to only speak words that bring life to me and to my circumstances. And we can make scriptural confessions from the word of God that cover this area. And we can make confessions such as life and death are in the power of my tongue. I love life and I eat the fruit of life. I only speak words that bring life to me and my circumstances. Or we can confess scriptures such as Psalm 141 verse 3 or Ecclesiastes 5 verse 6 that say, I set a guard over my mouth, Lord. I keep watch over the door of my lips. My mouth does not lead me into sin. My words are full of grace. There's another great one in Psalm 39 verse 1 that when you make it a confession, it says this. It says, I guard my ways unless I sin with my tongue. I restrain my mouth with a muzzle while the wicked are before me. And see, these confessions are so, so valuable and so powerful in helping us guard our mouth. And all of those confessions can be found in my book of Confessions for Life. So if you have that, I really encourage you to make a point daily of confessing over yourself that you guard your mouth and your tongue. I actually have a series called How to Bridle Your Tongue, which is episodes 19 to 21. So if it interests you to learn more about how to do that, I encourage you to go and listen to that series. But remember that we learned that the only way, the only way that the devil, the only way that our adversary can get any access to our lives is to present us with a thought because a thought will lead to words and words, life and death are in the power of our tongue. So again, the key is to recognize those thoughts, the temptation to get out of love, the temptation to fear, to speak words of death about ourselves or others, the temptation to give up our position of healed, prosperous, blessed, favored, full of peace, protected, or anything else that Jesus died to give us all starts with thoughts. So now we're going to talk about how to recognize the thoughts of the enemy. How do we recognize the thoughts? If the enemy can only get access to us through our thoughts, how do we recognize his thoughts? How do we recognize his lies, his suggestions, his opinions, his reasonings, his arguments, his temptations? Well, how do we recognize any lie? How do we know that anything is a lie? We hold it up to the truth. We hold it up to the only truth, which is the word of God. The reason people don't realize that they're believing the lies of the enemy is because they have no truth in them. They have no truth of the word of God in them 
to expose the lie. And in Proverbs 4 verse 22, God tells us to give attention to his words, to incline our ears to his sayings, to not let his words depart from our mouth, to keep his words in the midst of our hearts. Why? Because it's only his words that are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh, to all their circumstances. And this is why confessing and meditating on the word is so important. When we are constantly looking in the mirror of God's word and agreeing with what we see by confessing what God says about us, we will be able to more quickly identify areas where the devil might be lying to us. When we are meditating on the word of God day and night, like God tells us to, we are continuously filling our minds and mouth with truth, which will both expose and drive out the lies of the enemy. I've given you this example before, but it's the best example I know to illustrate this concept. Banks, financial institutions, they employ forgery experts who are experts at spotting counterfeit currency. But these forgery experts don't study the forgeries. They don't study the forgeries because there could be countless variations of forgeries in currency. So what they do is they study the true currency. They study the real currency and they become intimately familiar with every line, every color, every shading, every little detail on the true currency because when the forgery shows up, they will recognize it immediately. And that's why God tells us to give attention to his word, his word only, because when our eyes and our ears and our mouth and our attention are only on truth, we will recognize the lies of the enemy as soon as they show up. Guys, if you are going through a challenge, if you're going through a situation or a circumstance in your life, if you will immerse yourself in the word of God and what God says about that challenge and only what God says about that challenge, you will be able to quickly recognize where the enemy is lying to you and you'll be able to do something with those lies. You may not even know where the enemy has been lying to you. You may not be able to recognize those thoughts and suggestions that you may have been listening to, and you may not know how to identify them. But if you will give your attention, your full attention to what God says about that circumstance and meditate on his word and confess his word and listen to his word, the truth will highlight the lie. And then you'll be able to do something with those lies and suggestions. You may recall how I told you the story of how my son broke his arm at the skate park. Well, the reason that I saw results so quickly in that situation, within about 15 or 20 minutes, he went from having a broken arm to being completely healed. And the reason I saw results so quickly in that situation is because I refused to allow the enemy to have any space in my mind. During that period of 15 to 20 minutes, he was bombarding me with thoughts. 
He's broken his arm. You need to take him to the emergency department. Look how much pain he's in. You're being irresponsible. You're going to have to sit in the waiting area for hours and he's going to have to have a cast and it's all going to be terrible. And he was bombarding me with thoughts about that situation. Look how much pain he's in. Look how white he is. Look how useless his arm is. He's broken his arm. He's broken his arm. You need to do something about it. Mind you, this was in the first person. I need to do something about it. Look how much pain he's in. I need to take him to the emergency department because remember I told you how the enemy will speak to us in the first person but because I had been so full of the word regarding my authority I'd been studying this subject out I've been meditating on it I'd been researching it I'd been reading the word concerning our authority that is the first thing that came out of me when this situation presented itself and even though the devil was bombarding me with thoughts about that situation I answered all of them with no no weapon formed against him shall prosper his arm is healed in Jesus name pain go in Jesus name and because I was so full of the word that's the first thing that came out and that word was stronger in me than all of the lies and the reasonings and the suggestions of the enemy you may also recall that I gave you that story about Curry Blake who was able to raise his daughter from the dead because he refused to listen to the thoughts that the enemy was bombarding him with that he was going to have to bury another daughter. What kind of healing minister am I that I have to bury two of my children? And all that time that his daughter was laying limp in his arms, the devil kept screaming to him about his daughter and Curry had to scream even louder back to those thoughts saying, no, she lives and she shall not die in Jesus name. She lives and she shall not die in Jesus name. And he had to do that to drown out the devil's thoughts, telling him that his daughter was dead. And guys, if we refuse to allow those strongholds to start being formed in our minds of his lies and his thoughts and his suggestions, I believe that we will see results very quickly. If our first response is a faith response, and if we start answering all of those lies from the enemy with no God's word says, no God's word says, no God's word says, and we don't allow him any place, any foothold in our minds, then I believe that the period of time that we have to deal with that situation will be very, very short. But that's not to say that if we've been dealing with something for a long time that there's no hope for us. And what we're going to talk about next is going to deal with that scenario. If we've been dealing with something for a long time, there's a high, high possibility that we have some strongholds in that area and we can still see results very quickly if we will learn to recognize those areas where the enemy's been lying to us, recognize those areas where strongholds have been formed and demolish those strongholds. Either way, in either scenario, whether it's the first scenario where you see results very quickly and you don't have to deal with that issue for a long time at all, or if you've been dealing with something for a long time and you've decided to stand on the word for that area, either way, it's what we do with the lies and the arguments and the reasonings and the opinions of the devil that makes all the difference. Okay, so now we're going to talk about what do we do with the enemy's thoughts? 
What do we do with his lies, his opinions, his suggestions, his reasonings, and his arguments that are trying to talk us out of everything that God's provided for us, that are trying to talk us into stepping out from that secret place of the Most High into the territory where we expose ourselves to the law of sin and death? What do we do with the enemy's thoughts? Because remember that thoughts are at the root of every single situation that gives the enemy opportunity or causes us to cooperate with the devil. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine, Becky, hello Becky, sent me a video clip of a microscopic process taking place in the brain called neuroplasticity. You may have heard of this, neuroplasticity. If you've ever listened to anything from Dr. Caroline Leaf, she talks extensively about this process called neuroplasticity. So I'm going to put it in very simple terms for you. And basically what it is, is that every time we think something new, a brand new neuron connection forms in our brain. And this video that Becky sent me was actually footage of this process taking place. So under a powerful microscope, every time someone thinks a new thought, a tiny little pathway that has tiny itty bitty tendrils on the end of it stretches out through the brain and makes a connection with a similar tiny little pathway with the same tiny tendrils on the end and they meet together and they start fusing together and that process is called neuroplasticity and neuroscience has shown that the more we repeat these same thoughts the more we think on these same thoughts these connections become stronger and stronger and stronger and eventually they become our brain's default wiring which changes the way we look at and experience life. Now this process can either work positively for us or negatively against us and neuroscience has also discovered that if we replace negative thoughts which have created strong negative connections with positive thoughts that create strong positive connections, it is possible to rewire our brains. Now, <laughs> look at this. Once again, science is only just catching up with the things that the Bible has been telling us about all along. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 3 to 6 tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or of the five physical senses, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. God calls these strong negative connections that are formed in our brain through neuroplasticity strongholds. And he calls the rewiring of our brain, casting down imaginations. The next part of, our, of that verse tells us how to rewire our brains. It says, by casting down imaginations and every high thing or high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Isn't that amazing? So God is telling us how to rewire our brain and demolish those strong neural pathways that have formed in our brains 
And the way we do this is by pulling them down, pulling down strongholds. Pulling down literally means to take down, to destroy. It actually indicates a demolition process where you raise a structure to the ground. And the way we pull down those strongholds or rewire our brains is by casting down imaginations and all of those thoughts, those reasonings, those opinions and those arguments that are trying to exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. We are to bring them into captivity and make them obedient to Christ or make them obedient to the word. In the original Greek, that word cast down or that phrase cast down means to forcibly yank down, to depose, to destroy every thought, every argument, every opinion, every logical reasoning that tries to lift itself up above our knowledge of God, our knowledge of his word, our knowledge of who we are and what we have in Christ and bring it into captivity, capture it, bring it under control bring into captivity every one of those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ or make them obey what the word says. So the way we demolish strongholds, the way we prevent the enemy from building strongholds or strong neural pathways in our brains is to capture every thought that we might have about the situation and replace it with the word. Rewire our brains with the word of God. Isn't that awesome? That is just amazing. I just love how every scientific principle has already been covered by the word for thousands of years. So we cannot ignore those thoughts, guys. The enemy presents us with lies, with thoughts, with suggestions, but we cannot ignore them. Because why? Because those thoughts, if we don't do something with them, they'll stay in our brains and they'll start building those neural pathways. They'll start building those strongholds. And if left unattended, that thought is going to make connections with other thoughts in our minds and they're going to build a stronghold. So we have to, have to do what the Bible says to do, do what God says to do, and we have to capture it and we have to replace it with what God says and that's how we demolish it. That's how we make sure that our brain is wired with what God says about us and not with the lies and suggestions of the enemy. So it's important to remember that the thoughts of the enemy are not always complete opposite contradictions of the word. Most of the time, they are just slight deviations from the word. So any thought that puts your receiving off to the future is a lie from the enemy. So some examples of those kind of thoughts will be, I believe that I'm healed. I'm just waiting for my manifestation. Now see how that is not necessarily a contrary thought. It's not necessarily a 180 degree contradiction of by his stripes I was healed. However, it's a slight deviation because it's putting your healing off to the future. I'm waiting on my manifestation. That means that I'm not healed right now. God says that you are healed right now. 
not waiting on the manifestation, not standing on the word and believing that you're healed, but waiting to see the results. No, God says you are healed right now. So when that thought comes, I believe I'm healed, I'm just waiting for the manifestation, we have to capture that thought and say, no, I am healed right now because God says by his stripes I was healed, therefore I am healed. Body, you are in line with the word of God now. Okay, so see how there's a subtle difference? Any thought that brings your receiving back to your performance, maybe I should be confessing the word more, maybe I should be fasting more, maybe I should take communion every day, maybe I should pray in tongues more. No, see, and again, that's a slight deviation from the word. You aren't healed yet because you're not doing enough of this. Those thoughts, you have to capture them and say, no, I'm healed now. Jesus healed me at the cross, which means I'm healed now. Body, you are in line with the word of God now. Any thought that points you back to what you're doing in the natural as the key to your receiving. Now, I know that this gets under people's skin, (laughs) this topic, but you have to bring everything back to what does the word say. If God wants you to change something that you're doing in the natural, cut something out of your diet or change something that you're doing, maybe that's the key to healing taking place in your body. He'll show you. He'll show you to make an adjustment. However, when we're always looking at ourselves and what I'm doing, so maybe I should cut this out of my diet. Maybe I should eat more of this. Maybe I should try this cream or this medication. All of those thoughts, we have to capture them and say, no, I'm healed now. My body is in line with the word of God now. Jesus took every sickness and carried every disease at the cross, which means that I am healed now. Okay, so those are thoughts. Those are thoughts that the enemy presents to us, trying to form strongholds in our mind. We have to capture those thoughts and replace them with what God says. One of the devil's favorite thoughts that he's tempted all of us with is you're getting attacked because of everything you're doing for God. No, that is a lie. Look at what Jesus did for God. And the devil couldn't touch him until it was time for him to willingly lay down his life. Guys, Jesus is our only example. The disciples aren't our example. The apostles aren't our example. Paul isn't our example. Peter isn't our example. Our only example is Jesus. The devil could not touch Jesus until it was time for him to lay his life down willingly. The devil cannot touch us, even if we are saving every person on the planet and performing signs and wonders and miracles everywhere we go. The devil cannot touch us unless we give him place. And sometimes it's this very thought. The reason I'm going through this is because of everything that I'm doing for the kingdom of God. It's that very thought that gives him permission to come into your house and put his feet up on your coffee table. (laughs) So we have to identify and capture every thought that is even a slight contradiction of the word of God. I told everybody about that time that I was very badly hurt by um, some people in my life and it took me a long time to get over it. 
And I realized many years after that, that I had allowed a stronghold to form in my mind because I had relived all of those situations where they'd hurt me. I'd gone over and over and over them in my mind. I'd allowed myself to think about it constantly. I'd rehashed it and relived conversations that I'd had around that subject. Not only that, but I still kept talking to people about what had happened and reliving it and going over and over and over and over it. And unbeknownst to me, All of those little neural pathways had formed and made connections and grown stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in my mind and a stronghold had formed. I had spent such a long time listening to and giving place to the devil's thoughts and arguments and reasonings and suggestions about those people and those thoughts had built a stronghold of unforgiveness and resentment in me. So once I realized that a stronghold had formed and decided it was time to do something about it, I had to do what the word says to do in order to demolish that stronghold. So first of all, I forgave them. I said, Lord, in Jesus' name, I forgive those people. I release them from all the hurt and the bitterness and the trauma that they've caused me. And then from that point forward, every time, every time I thought about those people or anything to do with that situation, I said, no, I have forgiven them. I have forgiven them. Every time an opportunity to talk about them came up, I said, no, I've forgiven them. I'm not going to talk about them. Every time I saw something that reminded me of them or heard something that reminded me of them, I had to say, no, I'm not thinking about them. I've forgiven them. And see, what I was doing when I did that is I was casting down those imaginations. I was forcibly pulling them down and destroying every thought that I had about them, every argument argument, opinion, and reasoning that the devil tried to use to keep that stronghold intact. And bit by bit, that stronghold of thoughts that had formed in my brain, that strong neuro pathway (laughs) was destroyed and raised to the ground because I captured every thought that came to me about that situation and those people, and I made it obedient to Christ, obedient to the word which tells us to forgive if we have ought against anybody. And what I was doing without even really knowing that I was doing it was I was rewiring my brain. And after a while, I realized that I was completely free of that unforgiveness and hurt and resentment that they had caused me. And that was all accomplished by capturing those thoughts and casting down the imaginations that came to me about that situation. I also had to do this with something else that you've heard me talk about, which was the eczema that I had on my hands. For 12 years, I suffered to varying degrees with eczema on my hands, all over my fingers and the palms of my hands and down onto my wrists. And sometimes it was absolutely unbearable and sometimes it wasn't so bad and I could put up with it or tolerate it, but it was always there. 
What I know now, looking back on that situation, is that a stronghold had formed in my mind made up of thoughts about that eczema. How did this eczema get here? Was it something that I'm eating? Is it something that I'm touching? Maybe I'm using a product that's got some kind of harmful chemical in it. Maybe if I try this lotion or that cream or this medication, it will go away. Maybe if I don't use that product or touch that animal or eat that food or eat more of that food, maybe it's something that I'm doing to myself that's causing this. And so all of those thoughts, those lies and suggestions from the enemy telling me that I wasn't healed, that I had this eczema and that I had to do something about it in my own strength, they had formed strongholds in my mind. And I would sometimes start speaking the word over it, but I was never consistent. I would see improvement for a little while and then I'd get slack and I'd stop doing the word because I'd see improvement. And all these thoughts that kept coming to me about that eczema were the enemy. They were the devil building a stronghold in my mind of thoughts about that situation, keeping me locked inside that prison, suffering with that eczema. One day I realized that I didn't have to put up with that eczema any longer because God had given me authority over it. And so I spoke to it and I commanded it to go and I refused to look at it, touch it or think about it from that point forward. Now, I must say that I wasn't consciously making an effort to cast down those thoughts and imaginations that were associated with it. I just decided that I wasn't going to let myself think about that eczema again at all all, ever. And every time I was tempted to look at it, think about it or scratch it, I just simply said, no, I was healed at the cross. No, I was healed at the cross. No, I was healed at the cross. And without really knowing what I was doing, I was casting down all the thoughts associated with that eczema. I was rewiring my brain to the word of God that I was healed at the cross. I was bringing those thoughts into captivity. I was capturing them and I was making them obedient to the word of God that tells me that I was healed at the cross. And little did I know I was rewiring my brain. And one day I happened to glance down at my hands and they were completely clear. And I was free from that prison of eczema because I had completely demolished and raised that stronghold to the ground that the enemy had formed in my mind with all his lies and thoughts and suggestions about that eczema. And guys, we can actually choose to have strongholds in our minds, either of the lies and the suggestions of the enemy Or we can actually have a stronghold of what God says about us. The word stronghold, which is used in 2 Corinthians, where it talks about demolishing strongholds built of the enemy's lies, is the same word stronghold that's actually used all throughout the Bible to describe our place of refuge and safety that is found in the Lord. In Psalm 9 verse 9, it says, The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. Proverbs 18 verse 20 says, The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. 2 Samuel 22 verse 3 says, My God is my rock in whom I take refuge refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 
And Proverbs 18 verse 10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. All of those verses there are talking about the same kind of stronghold that Second Corinthians is talking about. However, there's two different strongholds that can be formed in our minds. So we have to think about what do we want our stronghold to be made of? We will either have a stronghold of the enemy's lies and thoughts and suggestions and arguments and reasonings and opinions, or we can have a stronghold built of the promises of God, and it's in that stronghold of the word of God that we find our healing, our restoration, our provision, our peace, and our protection. It's all up to us. What do we want our stronghold to be made of? And how do we make sure that our stronghold is built of the promises of God, the word of God, and not the thoughts and lies and suggestions of the enemy? The exact same way by instead of listening to, thinking on, meditating on, and agreeing with the lies of the enemy, it's by confessing, meditating, thinking on, pondering on, listening to, and agreeing with the promises of God and everything that he says about us. Isn't that awesome? So the choice really is ours. God's made it so simple for us. He says, give attention to my word. Incline your ears to my sayings. Do not let my words depart from your eyes. Keep my words in the midst of your heart because it's my words that will form those good mental pathways in your minds and bring you life and health and peace and provision to every area of your life. He's made it so simple for us. Now you might say, but I have to think about the problem. I have to think about my health issue. I have to think about my financial issue or my relationship issue or any other issue that I'm dealing with because what if there's something that I'm doing that's causing it? What if there's something that I can do in the natural to help the situation? Okay, so I've had two experiences with this. The first experience was that I was dealing with an infection in my body. An infection popped up and I was like, what? Where did this come from? And I started to Google it and research it to try and find out what was causing it. And I couldn't come up with anything. I couldn't find any solution in the natural to how or why this infection was going on in my body. So I just thought to myself, well, it doesn't even matter because I can stand on the word for this. God's made provision for my healing from every sickness and disease. So I'm going to take him at his word and stand on the word and believe him for my healing. And so what I did is every time I was tempted to think about what was causing that infection or where did it come from, I cast those thoughts down and I said, no, I was healed at the cross. No, I was healed at the cross. But maybe it's this. No, I was healed at the cross. Maybe it's because you're doing that. No, I was healed at the cross. And every time I, I was tempted to think about what the source of this infection was, I cast down that thought and I said, no, I was healed at the cross. And then one day I had this sudden revelation revelation from God and he showed me exactly what it was that I was doing that was causing the infection. It was something that I was doing that I would never have been able to figure out on my own, but he gave me the solution in the natural for solving that problem. And as soon as I stopped doing that particular thing, the infection went away. Another time, my daughter Virginia 
had a cough that wouldn't go away. She just had this persistent chesty cough and it just carried on for what seemed like months. And eventually I was just like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to put up with this any longer. Jesus took every sickness and carried every disease. And I started to speak to it and say, no, cough, you go in Jesus' name. She was healed at the cross. And then God showed me that it was because she was going to bed every night with wet hair. And that was what was causing her cough. Another time, my sister was dealing with a situation where she needed extra income and she kept letting her mind run down all the tracks of maybe I should go back to work, maybe I should do this, maybe I should sell that, maybe I should take my kids out of private school and put them into public school and all of these things that she kept going over and over in her mind trying to come up with a solution in the natural for her financial problems And then eventually she just decided to cast the care of it onto the Lord and say, no, Lord, thank you that I have your wisdom. I have your wisdom for this financial situation. Thank you for your wisdom, Lord. Thank you for your wisdom. I have the wisdom of God. I have the wisdom of God. And God dropped a business idea into her spirit that has proved to be extremely successful and solved all of their financial problems. So in each of these examples, myself and my sister, we decided to cast down the thoughts that were coming to us about what we could do, what can I do, what can I do, what can I do, what can I figure out, cast those thoughts down and bring them into obedience to the word of God and say, no, no, I was healed at the cross. No, my daughter was healed at the cross. No, thank you, Lord, that I have your wisdom for this financial issue. And each time God dropped the wisdom into our spirit, he dropped the solution, he dropped the answer. And it wasn't because we were Googling the problem, trying to figure out the cause, leaning on our own understanding about the situations. We were trusting him with all of our hearts. Guys, our only responsibility is to do the word. God says that we are to trust him with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. Do not try and see what we can do to figure out the solution, what we can find, what we can figure out, but to acknowledge him only, acknowledge the word only in all of our ways. And then he promises to make our paths straight. In other words, he will get us to the destination, to the solution, to the favorable outcome quickly and smoothly. But our responsibility is to only do the word. We are not to try and figure it out. We are not to try and reason it out. We are not to try and come up with a solution in the natural ourselves. We are to trust him with all of our heart. And God promises us that the entrance of his word brings light and understanding to the simple. So when we focus all of our attention on getting the word in us about that situation, the word will shine a light on anything else or any other areas that we can make an adjustment in to solve our problems. God has made it so, so simple for us guys. And I believe, I truly believe that if it's complicated, (laughs) it's not from God. He says, say what I say, only say what I say, only think on what I say and continue to do those things because you will have what you say. So it really is so simple. So I'm going to wrap this episode up here and next week we're going to conclude this series 
And I really believe that what we're going to talk about next week is going to bless you and encourage you so much alongside everything else that we've already talked about. So God bless you guys. And I look forward to finishing this series off with you next week. God bless you. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode of Faith Talks. If you have any questions related to today's or any of my previous episodes, if you have a testimony you would like to share, or for a free copy of Confessions for Life, please email me at questions at faithtalks.com.au. For episode announcements and regular encouragement, you can now find Faith Talks with Emily Preston on Facebook and Instagram. Finally, if you know anyone who would benefit from today's or any of my previous teachings, please share this podcast with them and help them receive revelation of the truth that will make them free. Until next time, know that I am praying for you and don't forget to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. And you will be blessed in everything that you do. God bless you.